0: This podcast contains bad language. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Notes on Nonsense, the weekly show with me, Meredith Atwood, where I talk about stuff. So right now, it is December 3rd, and we are under about 18 inches of snow here in Massachusetts. This is not a big deal for you people who have lived in Massachusetts, but this is a big deal for this Southern girl. I'm a little stir crazy, (laughs) just a little bit. It's awesome, but it's beautiful. It's very beautiful. So today is Tuesday. It marks two weeks to publication day of the year of No Nonsense, my second book. It's kind of a big deal, you guys, kind of, not necessarily the book, but I will say the book's a big deal. But publication day is crazy. There's a lot, a lot going on. So it feels really good. It also feels very scary. Like, for example, someone from my teenage years, even younger, even younger, um, messaged on Instagram, or sorry, she posted on Facebook, which I guess isn't really relevant, but she said that she was going to share it with her groups. And I knew her from church, and she's a very fine, fine church woman, and I... (laughs) I was like, oh, gosh, Um, I'm going to message her and I'm going to tell her like about the book. And so I messaged her and I said, look, there, you know, my heart is good, (laughs) but this book is full of language and I don't know if it's great for your church group. And she said, honey, I can deal with some bad words. It's fine because I know your heart is good. And that made me feel really good because I was coming off a bit of a um, shame storm, which happened last week. So I'm not going to name any names because that's stupid, but I had approached someone about the book. I had sent this person an early release copy and they said they were super excited about it and they messaged me and said, oh, um, I opened the book and within the first page, there's the F word and um, I am a goodie, two shoes or I have an image of that and so that's not going to fly with my audience. And I thought, you know what? That's fine. Um, again, this book's not going to be for everyone, but I thought the interesting thing, it kind of, it kind of festered with me for a lot of reasons, because look, you can not use language. You can not want to be around it. That's fine. Um, you can choose to not have that in your life. It's totally fine. But the problem I had with the way that it was conveyed to me (laughs) is that there was judgment. And a big part about my book, Is about getting rid of people pleasing and not allowing the judgments of other people to influence your behavior, to influence your true self. And one of the biggest moves in this book for me was saying what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it, bad words and all. (laughs) And yeah, that's not everyone's cup of tea. But it hit me in a shameful way because she was judging me, she was judging my use of that word. And I'll tell you, the use of that word, I think it's in there maybe three times, the F word. (laughs) It is beautifully placed each time. Anyone can say that. And here's the thing. These same people that want to judge an author for using the F bomb in their book are the same people that will go to an R rated movie and sit through it where it's constant or they're on, they're watching Desperate Housewives and they're hearing the beep, beep, beep constantly, but they're going to judge me (laughs) for the book. And look, I would have much, further, much, much respected this instead. Your book has cuss words. My audience is not down with that. So I can't share it. But I'm going to keep reading this because I think I have some nonsense. And you've got some valid points. And <laughs> because honestly, I think the topic in the book is so important. And I think the people that are the ones judging me for the use of my language are the ones that need potentially this kind of message the most. I think it's interesting that I approach my longtime, you know, church person, like Sunday school teacher. She was like one of my Sunday school teachers. And I tell her, like, maybe you don't want to share this with your, you know, church people. And she goes, honey, I know where your heart is. I can handle some language. And I thought the the starkness between these two individuals was interesting to me. And all of that to say, (laughs) all of that to say that when, you, when you're when you two weeks out from a publication of a book where you, you kind of poured your heart and soul and you, you question everything, everything you wrote, everything you shared, and you feel embarrassed about some of it at this point two weeks out, and you wonder if people are going to like it, you wonder if you wrote it for the right reasons, you wonder if your motives were good, you know. And I know when I sit there and I ask myself, like, why did I write all these things? Why did I say all these things? I realized I did it because I wanted to help people. End of story. Because there's no one on this planet who writes a book like I just wrote <laughs> that does it to make themselves look good. Because I'll tell you, there's not much in this book that makes me look good. <laughs> there's just not. It's not that kind of book. So um, my motivation was not to be extreme. My motivation was to be real. And when someone says, you know, when they want to judge you for being real, and for telling a story that is yours, and for telling um, the hard stuff, and for saying the hard words when they're totally beautifully appropriate. It's kind of like when your four-year-old says the word shit when they stub their toe, and you're like, well played, even though you're like, you know, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> That's how I feel about this book. I feel like my choice of, of words is is placed well, and, you know, it has it's fine. It's fine. But this episode is not about that. I just wanted to share that because, well... I overshare, it's fine. but it's kind of where I'm at. you know I'm, I'm very close to this book coming out and I feel very scared and um, and this episode is about fear, but it's also about holidays and fear and holidays go hand in hand. So let's get on with this episode. This episode of Notes on Nonsense is holidays are hard. I decided to get away from bullshit in the title, not because I was shamed, but because I'm tired of it. (laughs) And the whole thing started because the book had a subtitle. Um, What was it? How a Little Less Bullshit Can Change Your Life. That was the original subtitle of the book, not of my choosing. I didn't want to have a cuss word in the title, not to be judgy, but I just feel like that's being played out. For me, I just wasn't down with it. And so we went back and forth, and you can listen to the episode. Subtitles are bullshit about how that went down. But all of that to say, the the subtitle used to have bullshit in it. That's why I started this trendy little podcast with bullshit in the title. And now I feel tired of it. (laughs) So, holidays are hard. That's today's episode. We're talking about the holidays. It's December 3rd. Um, It's crazy, right? It's crazy, the holidays. And what is crazier is how crazy we get. And from a starting point, we are not crazy. I love my friend Britt Frank, Brit. Frank on Instagram. Follow her. She's exploding, exploding, not like in person, but in her amazing work she's doing, and I'm such a fan, and I interviewed her on the podcast. I don't remember the episode number because I'm not sitting in front of it, but scroll down to, I think, April of this year, and you can listen to that episode if you want to have your mind blown, listen to that episode with her. So all of that to say, you are not crazy. <laughs> Part one going into the holidays. This is December 3rd. I've said that like 50 times. Like I never say the date on the podcast and for some reason I keep saying it. I think it has to do with this book launch. But anyway, this is the time of year where we establish some really um, awkward – terribly set boundaries. And we do it with ourselves. We we fail to set boundaries is probably a better term. And we fail to set boundaries with other people for sure, but we fail to do it with ourselves. We fail to keep the promises that we so desperately want to keep to ourselves. And the way this works is the holidays are so stressful for a myriad of reasons, like 18 inches of snow outside. That's one of them that I had not anticipated. But, you know, family and money and cold and vacation and not vacation and everyone's sick. I mean, my house is like a an incubus of a viral plague. Is that the quote from Devil Wears Prada? The boy child was sick. The husband is now sick and I'm just pounding 10,000 milligrams of vitamin C like it's candy, just like trying to ward off this sickness that just cannot, cannot hit me right now. I cannot have it. But the holidays are hard. And I think acknowledging that simple fact that we as a populace are about to embark on a difficult time just in the year, but it's not an excuse to ruin ourselves. It's not an excuse to hate ourselves. It's not an excuse to eat all the garbage that we don't actually want to eat. Look, if you want to eat all the garbage and that's not a big deal for you, go ahead. Seriously, it doesn't matter to me. But I know that I have a semi health conscious audience here and many of us don't want that. We really truly don't want the pie, we don't want the cakes, we don't want all the booze. We just don't truly at the core want it but yet we go to an event or a party and we find ourselves just you know drowning in it and so my challenge for you during this this time is to really focus on where you are right this minute not focusing on I just got to get through December so I can get to the new year flip that stinking thinking because the new year is just another day New Year's resolutions are garbage, you guys. Listen to the last episode about kids are really BS because that was actually about resolutions. (laughs) I just wanted some more listens. Actually, I think it was two episodes ago. But listen, the new year is... Yeah, it has a feel to it. It's like, oh, thank goodness, a fresh start. And I don't dislike the new year for that very reason. I'm all about a fresh, clean page of paper and writing your own story and starting over, tearing up the script, doing all these things to change where you are and where you're going and to have a clean slate. I totally get that. But we don't need to blow up the bridge for the last 27 days of the month. We don't need to harm ourselves. We don't need to dig ourselves a hole so dig- so deep that we're having trouble digging out of it. And here's an example. I have, many of you know, um, I was working on doing like bodybuilding type training, really getting my fat loss down because it was just a goal of mine because I had so many issues around my ability to have the body I wanted and not by anyone else's terms, just for me. For, you know, I'm turning 40. I want to like crack this code. And I did such a great job for like 28 weeks of the year, like really just nailed it. And then I had some things happen and I started just eating trash. And and what I've realized through this year um, of therapy and <laughs> um, basically the year of no nonsense, figuring out what's going on with me, a lot of it has to do with, with anger for me. So when I am put in a position where I'm angry, or I feel myself experiencing anger for, you know, righteous or wrong, or it doesn't matter, I eat. And I've had a lot of things come up that have upset me and made me angry. And so I fuel for the fight when I'm angry. And my primary emotion, um, when it just as my personality type, my primary emotion like tends to be anger, you know, it's a real, really lovely. But the thing is, when, when that's just your emotion, it is what it is. And learning to accept that emotion is a big part of growth. And so, all of that to say that when I'm angry, I tend to eat. And I had lost, I don't even know, like maybe 19 pounds. I got down to like 181. That's really low for me, you guys. Anyone who's been playing along at home in the Meredith Atwood, like triathlon and weight loss game, like that's very light for me. That was like high school weightlifting, fighting weight. So, I got to 181 and I promptly decided to completely fuck that up. (laughs) You know, I got there. I was like, oh, scary. Everyone says how good I look. I'm posting bikini pictures on Instagram. It's freaking me out. Boom. Time to fuel up for the fight. I'm angry. I used like a situation that I encountered um, as an excuse to just eat trash. And I ate trash from like the last weekend in September until like a couple of days ago. Like I just did. I just ate whatever I wanted. Um, And you might say, what's the big deal? eat what you want, intuitive eating, whatever. No, no, not for me (laughs) because I don't have an off button. It's just like alcohol. I've not learned that off button and maybe I can, maybe I have trauma to uncover and to overcome and then I'll figure it out. But this is where I'm at right now. Um, So the holidays are hard for me because I'm going into the season trying to get my nutrition back on track because it, it makes me happy. It makes me feel good. And I'm going into the season of all the candies and cakes and I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat this turkey and rice because this is what makes me feel good. And so it's hard in that regard. But here's the, here's my whole point is I know what makes me feel good. I know what makes me trust myself. I know what makes me proud. It's hitting my workouts. It's eating well. It's sleeping. It's like taking care of the things that I've neglected for two decades when I was really like drunk and practicing law and not doing good for myself or my family for that matter. And so focusing on these things is part of the holidays being good for me. And I talk about this all the time. I quit drinking. I actually have a soberversary coming up four years, December 12th, uh, without a drink. And I stopped drinking in December to prove this very fact to myself. And I pitched an article to one of these sobriety outlets um, a couple of weeks ago. And they were like, we're not going to publish anything that says you should quit drinking at the holidays because the holidays is the time when people, um, you know, drink the most, they need it the most, they're highly depressed. And I thought, wait a minute, like, just pause for one second. I mean, I'm no scientist. That's my husband. But if the holidays are the biggest time for depression, depression has been greatly linked to anxiety. Um, and alcohol. And then suicide rates are higher at the holidays. And then suicide is also linked to substance abuse. Ipso facto, if we quit our addictions at the holidays, what does that do to those numbers? What does it do to depression? What does it do to, to suicide attempts? What does it do to, to these major things that are so unspoken in our society? You know, that's the question I have. Yeah, maybe people shouldn't try quit drinking at the holidays. I don't know why. I think any time you struggle with something, now is precisely the moment to deal with it. Now, right now. I don't care what day of the month it is. I don't care what day of the year. I don't care if it's Christmas Day and you're like, hey, I'm getting sober on Christmas Day. That's a big freaking gift you can give yourself, by the way, if you're struggling with that. And that's all of that to say, Like, and I say that a lot, all of that to say. That's one of my favorite things to say, so I'm just going to say it. All of that to say... Sobriety is not for everyone. Look, alcohol may not be your nonsense. So keep it. If you can drink like a normal person and if you can walk, if you can go to a restaurant and you can drink a glass of wine and leave half of it on the table, undrank and walk out, you don't have a drinking problem. <laughs> if you got to chug that to get your money's worth or you got to chug it and have another one, like think about it. I don't care. It's not, it's not my battle. But If you have a drinking problem, if you have alcohol as as a big brand of your nonsense, then I argue the holidays are exactly the time to quit drinking. And here's why. This is the time that you can, it is the hard time. The holidays are hard. If you can prove to yourself that you can overcome something like this or get through it without the crutch of alcohol or without the crutch of drugs or whatever the major thing is, or, or even like knock it down to having a sensible shopping habit over the holidays or eating healthy over the holidays, like not just going hog wild. If you can do any of these practices that are going to send you into the new year, feeling better about your whole situation for whatever that, you know, you define your health, happiness, and success. You determine what those are for you. And so if you can set up yourself on your terms for what makes a good 2020, what starts January 1, like feeling great, you've done a lot. And so my challenge for you is on December 3rd, since I'm going to say that 150 times on this episode, my challenge for you is to take these next 20 whatever days, I think I said 27, but that's a really some fuzzy math. I think it's 28 days. <laughs> take the this next month and do it right now. Do whatever it is, whatever thing you're thinking, I just have to get through the holidays with this behavior. Um, and then I have the new year, whatever it is that you're saying that about now's the time. I promise you, I do not regret a single second of quitting drinking during the holidays. I tell you, it made for a really hard New Year's Eve. It did. I sat there, and I think actually I had an O'Doul's on New Year's Eve. I had a non-alcoholic beer, which you know the sobriety community will say, well, that actually has some alcohol in it. But my sobriety date is December twelfth because I took one sip of that O'Doul's on new year's eve and i thought no this is not real beer real beer is what i'm after i hate the taste of this crap (laughs) i want the buzz i want i want the hangover i want all of that um and and i stopped and that was it that was the last you know alcoholic type paraphernalia i've had but i rang in the new year and i woke up on january 1 and i knew that i could do anything i truly did my grandmother passed away a month later Um, On in February, month and a half, and as I I drove down to Savannah to be with her, um, my mom and I were with her while she passed away. I was sober, and I told my mom while we were sitting there, I was like, you know, if I was still drinking, I would probably have wine in here, like I in the room with my grandmother while she was dying. Like honestly, I would have smuggled it in, and. Knowing my grandmother and knowing who she is and and what she was about, that would have been a disgrace to her last moments. And because of my sobriety, I was able to be there with her and I was able to be fully present. And that is the gift of sobriety. That is the gift of not binging yourself into oblivion, drinking, eating, porn, whatever, shopping. When we are numbing whatever we're doing, we are not living. And look, I like to numb out like anyone else. And that's why I've been binge eating for several months, (laughs) which I haven't been the last three days. So I do what I can because I realized it was December and I love to get my act together in December. It starts my new year off so amazing. And I hope the same for you. I hope you do survive the holidays. The holidays are hard. Um, but don't make it harder. Don't make it harder on yourself by just like letting whatever fall down. Don't, you know, get your workouts in if they're important to you. Get your reading in. Do the things that matter to you because then you're turning the corner to your year of no nonsense in 2020, really feeling good. So thank you all for listening. I hope we all survive these holidays and have a great, um, you know, December 4th. (laughs) Until next time.